my wife and I have been puzzling a little bit about the tree in our front yard of our house. And, and here's why we're puzzling about it. Because it, just, it seems to be leaning just a little bit in one direction. Even though it's as sturdy as can be, it's as healthy as can be, but it most certainly is leaning just a little bit in one direction. So as I was contemplating, you know, why that is or what made it do that or how that might be possible, I remembered some trees we saw on the West Coast in a, in a trip we took out there one time. Um, and especially I'm thinking of some, some lone trees, some kind of solo, all-alone trees very near the ocean, which lean really far back in, in one direction and the branches all kind of going like this, very much looking as if they're being blown by like a hurricane force wind, but without any wind blowing. And, and so the thought hit me, well, it must have something to do with the wind. And, and sure enough, you know, and again, I'm, you, maybe, maybe some of you who know a lot about trees are shaking your heads, but so it didn't uh, take much of a deep search on the internet to find out, sure enough, uh, wind does have an effect on things that grow. It turns out that over time, um, a tree that stands alone, a tree that stands on its own, will eventually be shaped by the direction of the wind that generally blows against it. So if there are, as long as there are no other trees around it to protect that from happening, which is normally the case, when you have a tree that stands all on its own, over time, eventually, the, the force and the direction of the wind will kind of shape the way that tree grows. You want proof? Just go and observe some of the trees as you drive, just observe trees as you drive home today, okay? No doubt you will see some kind of bent, blown by the wind. And it might even be trees that you've, you've seen plenty of times before as you pass by them, but you never just noticed anything, but um, take a look. In fact, I bet you'll be seeing them all over the place now. All right? Trees shaped by the wind of God. And that's really the, the question that I want to start off with today. Just like those wind-swept trees, do we as individuals... And do we as a church show evidence in our lives that we have been shaped by the wind of God's Spirit? Do we show evidence that our lives have been filled with God's Spirit, that He has blown on us, that He has filled us with His life, with His faith? Do our lives show evidence of that? When the Holy Spirit was poured out with power on those disciples on that first Pentecost day, their lives most certainly showed evidence of being shaped by the wind of God. Just before Jesus ascended, he told his disciples, and this is just a few chapters, well, a chapter earlier actually in Acts, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they did all wait together, and then they were all together in one place on the day of Pentecost. 
Now, <clears throat> what is the day of Pentecost, you ask? What, you mean you haven't been shopping the, the Pentecost Day sales at Superstore? You, you didn't get the, the flyer on, on Easter Sunday, only 50 more shopping days until Pentecost? <clears throat> no, we don't see that one. Uh, they're, they're not stealing that one from us yet, are they? Um, what is the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost is an Old Testament feast. It's an annual harvest celebration for the Old Testament Israelites. It, it had been around since right when they started uh, celebrating Passover. They were, they were celebrating Pentecost for hundreds of years. And uh, it's a harvest festival. You see, grain in Israel is harvested in the spring. So on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after the first Sunday after Passover, and, and now as Christians, we remember what the first Sunday after Passover is to us now, right? Easter. But 50 days after that first Sunday after Passover, all the Israelites were expected to bring the first fruits of their wheat harvest to the Lord. And, and the day of Pentecost, this feast of Pentecost, was one of the three major festivals in which all the Israelites were expected to assemble at Jerusalem for. Now, it, it's very interesting that the Feast of Pentecost and the other spring festivals of the, of the children of Israel, they all served to point to something that Jesus did for us. For example, on the day that all the Israelites would be choosing and looking for their Passover lamb, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Then on the day that all the Israelites would be slaughtering and eating their Passover lamb, Jesus was hung on a cross and slaughtered as our true Passover lamb. Then three days later, on the day that all the Israelites would, would have brought the first sheaf of their grain harvest, just the first sheaf, that little shoot of their grain harvest to the Lord, on the Sunday after the day of Pentecost, Jesus rose from the dead as the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. And finally, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, on the day that all the Israelites would have been bringing forth the first fruits of their wheat harvest to the Lord. The day of Pentecost became the first gathering of souls into the church. Now, don't tell me that all of this is coincidence. All of this meaning. And don't tell me that it was a coincidence that God happened to choose this day where there would be people from all the nations of the world gathered together in Jerusalem for what he was about to do. There's no way that this is coincidence. Do you see how this all fits into God's huge plan? Do you see how his purpose was carried out in all of this? And this is why Jesus told his disciples to wait and be together for this. They needed to be together for this. Because here's what happened. Here's how Jesus' words were fulfilled. All right? Suddenly, as they were waiting together on this day of Pentecost, the sound of a violent blowing wind came upon them. And then what seemed to be tongues of fire came and separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then each of them began to speak in different languages. And now look carefully at that. These are... These are these were actual languages. These were clear, intelligible, actual languages that each person could understand. So there's, there's a lot of people talking about speaking in tongues today. From everything I've heard, from everything I've seen, 
from everyone I've talked to, what I know is there's a lot of faking it out there. A lot of people going biddy, 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 biddy to let people think they have a gift of the Spirit. There's something different between that and what happened here. Okay, this gift of the Spirit were people speaking in languages that everyone could clearly understand and hear in their own language. This was not nonsense. This was everyone hearing this message in their language. This was a gift of the Spirit, something very different. I want you to maybe imagine the United Nations General Assembly. Have you ever seen you know, pictures of that or video footage? They're all in there. There are microphones and, and everything. And let's say one of them is addressing the audience there in his or her own language. So that message then gets, uh, trans- it gets interpreted and translated and, and disseminated out to all the other delegates there through what? Through headsets. But here on the day of Pentecost, all these people from this crowd of various nations, they were all hearing these Galileans, which is like, you know, like back corner of Israel, uh, uh, country, you know, type area. Um, they're hearing these men from Galilee all speaking in all of their own languages. And guess what? There were no headsets. So this is what's happening here. And the, the, we like to say that, the, you know, the judgment um, and the Tower of Babel, where God gave everyone different languages and scattered them, so that, that judgment that probably had more far-reaching results than even the flood, that judgment of the day of, uh, at the Tower of Babel really, in a sense, was reversed. Why? Why? Because the gospel needed to go out to all people, to all nations. So the Holy Spirit came upon them with these powerful signs. Why? That's a very important question. Why? To get people's attention. To get people's attention. Notice carefully what happened. A crowd came together in bewilderment. These signs drew a crowd. God gave them these signs to confirm His presence among them and to authenticate the message that they were about to share. Which really, if you go back and read the Gospels, is the same reason that Jesus had for doing all the miracles that He did. And that also is the reason why we do a lot of things the way we do them here at Cross of Life. Take the soccer camp, for instance. What was the initial reason we started that off for? Because we needed an answer to the question, how do we draw a crowd of people to hear the gospel of Jesus? We had no crowd back then. How do we draw a crowd of people to hear the gospel of Jesus? How can we get people to be willing to listen to this important message that we have? That's why we did that. That's why we do all of our camps. That's why we do our Advent by Candlelight, our Easter egg hunt, our Christmas Eve service, and so many other things we do to draw a crowd so we can share them this wonderful message about Jesus that we have. All of these things are to draw people to the Word, to draw people to the Gospel. Because when people are getting drawn to the Gospel, then they can be shaped by the wind of God, shaped by God's Spirit, And that's what was happening here on Pentecost Day. The main point of these signs was to draw people to the Word. Notice carefully. I think this is very interesting. Once Peter got all those people's attention and all these amazing things going on and he got all of their attention, what did he do? 
He did not say, hey, everybody, look at these signs. Look at all this stuff. Hey, everyone, check out this fire on the top of my head. Watch. Look, I can put my hand through it. It's not even burning up. Cool, huh? Oh, you couldn't understand that? Well, let me tell it to you in Aramaic. How about Latin? Check out my Hebrew. Here's a new one, English. Here's a really strange one. Uh, strange one. Uh, Parlez-vous français? Peter didn't do that, though. He didn't be like, look at me go, listen to my languages. He didn't draw anyone to himself. He didn't draw anyone to the signs. What did he do? He drew people right to the word. He takes them right back to the word. So all the people are, they're all being all amazed by these signs. And Peter opens up the prophet Joel. And he shows them that these things had always been prophesied that they would happen. And that those days that Joel was speaking about are upon us now. And that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So Peter doesn't point them to the signs. He takes them back to the word of God. Now, we sometimes, it's easy for us, we, we sometimes can get all uh, carried away uh, with, with crazy ideas, the, the things of the world, a um, lot of crazy stuff and ideas in this world. We, we hear, we see a lot of amazing things. But one question, do they serve to lead us to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do they serve to lead us to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And this is an important question for us as a church to be asking all the time. Okay? Do every one of our ministries, do every one of the things we do ultimately lead people, serve to lead people to the Word of God? It, it isn't hard for, um, for programs, ministries, you know, things we do that start out one, as wonderful things to start turning into something else. So this is a question that we need to keep asking. Um, we'll pick on soccer camp again. For example, if we are running soccer camp so that people say, oh, what a great soccer camp that is, then we're missing the point. We run soccer camp, and as good as we can at that, so that people will say, what a great Savior Jesus is. We have Advent by Candlelight so that women will say, what a great Savior Jesus is. We have our Easter egg hunt so that children will say, what a great Savior Jesus is. We run our March break camps so that children and adults will say, what a great Savior Jesus is. That's why we do the things we do. Not to point people to the things, but to point people to Jesus. So we're patterning what we do after what happened here. The signs drew the crowd, but then Peter pointed them to the word of God. And that's why we do the things we do, and that's why we have to keep asking that question. Do our things point out to him? Do they make people say, what a great Savior Jesus is? Okay, in his Pentecost sermon, Peter reveals that the Holy Spirit gave more than just the outward signs of his presence, like the, the tongues of fire and, and the speaking in different languages. All right, the, the less visible signs that were maybe less visible and exciting, the Holy Spirit also gave, and they were probably even more powerful. And I'm talking about understanding and boldness. First of all, it, it, it's obvious that the Holy Spirit gave him the gift of understanding. Finally, Peter and the other disciples understood Jesus' mission. They had been getting it wrong all the way along. And it's obvious that the Holy Spirit also empowered them with boldness because 
now, finally, Peter isn't running away. Peter isn't denying Jesus. From here on out, from this day on out, the disciples would go and, and tell people about the good news about Jesus with boldness, very boldly. Friends, God, God might not gift you and me with the ability to speak in different languages today. It's possible that God hasn't given us the ability to, to heal people or to raise the dead. But God does continue to gift you and me today with understanding and boldness. And you will receive those gifts from God when you listen to the Holy Spirit, when you spend time in the Word. He will give you understanding. Keep listening to Him. And the more you listen to His Word and the more you spend time in the, in the Word, He will make your faith bold. The more, bold, the more boldness He will gift you with and bless you with. And the more your life will be shaped by the wind of God. Shaped the way He wants to use you. Filled with His wind, His Spirit. Shaped to have a purpose. Shaped to show others the wonderful Savior we have. Without His shape, we're as worthless as a, a balloon that has no air in it. But when he shaped, when we are shaped by the wind of God, now we can serve the purpose for which he has called us. Now we can speak with boldness, with understanding, and all the other gifts that he has given you to show others what a wonderful Savior we have. All right, just like those trees, our life gets shaped by the wind of God. And, and people will, will hear in our words and, and then they will see in our lives that we have been shaped and changed by a very powerful God. But of course, some of the people there um, were skeptics. They were skeptical. And they started making fun of the disciples. And they said, they must be drunk. <laughs> really? So everyone there is hearing these disciples speak in their languages, clearly and intelligibly, and they're passing it off as drunkenness? That's just not even that intelligent. But skepticism often isn't. When you just don't want to believe something, you will say all kinds of dumb things to make your point. Take the whole Darwin theory, for instance. The Big Bang. Really? Really? How much bad science will people use to just prove a point that they want to believe in? The truth is that some people just don't want to believe certain things like that God created this world, even in the face of overwhelming evidence for it. But the point is that there will always be skeptics. People were skeptical of Jesus. They're going to be skeptical of you and me. They're going to say things to you like, well, your religion is just a crutch you need to get through life. Or um, you're just holding on to your backward ways. There will be skeptics. If you're a little skeptical, you're here today, if you're a skeptic, if you're looking for um, some answers yet, maybe an answer that, that is more rational, still searching, take an open and honest-hearted look at the account. Let the word speak for itself. See how this all fits in with the scope of history. 
take a look at how this all fits in with this huge plan of God's. Let the Holy Spirit shape you a little bit and see what happens. Notice what the main point of Peter's sermon is. God will pour his spirit out on all people. Not just the Levites who were the priests of the Old Testament. Not just the uh, Israelites who were the Jewish nation who, who God had used to bring Jesus into the world. But all people, young and old, men and women, slave and free, rich and poor, everyone. Jesus is for all people. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for all people. Each one of you has been given a gift, at least one. Each one of you. And each one of us, then, have been shaped by the wind of God. Each one of us have been given a role, a job we can do in carrying out His work because we are each being shaped by the wind of God. We each can prophesy. The word prophesy means to speak for God. So we, we each can speak for God to someone else. We each can tell people the good news about Jesus. And each of us can dream dreams and see visions. Because that precious gospel that has been planted in our hearts fills our imaginations with hope and enables us to see, to, to, to picture the, the blessed bliss of heaven that's promised us and enables us to see the, the powerful gospel that, it is, that is at work throughout the world today in very powerful ways. We've been gifted to do these things. And these are the last days that the prophet Joel was speaking about. Our mission is to lead all people to call on the name of the Lord so that they can be saved. And the Holy Spirit has gifted each one of us to be doing that. D did you know that there is, that, did you know that broken English is an actual language? There was a Vietnamese woman um, who was waiting to be examined in a very crowded uh, hospital ER. And, and as she sat there waiting, after, after a while, she, she gradually began to uh, become aware of a very frustrating non-conversation that was happening a, a few chairs down from her. A nurse was trying to ask questions of a new patient about her illness, but the patient only spoke Spanish, and the nurse did not. The Vietnamese woman, after listening for a few minutes, began to realize that even though she didn't speak Spanish or understand the Spanish, she did understand the broken English bits and phrases that the Spanish-speaking woman was offering as answers. See, from, from her kind of background of learning to communicate through broken English, the Vietnamese woman was able to kind of hear the heart and the gist of what that other woman was trying to say. So the Vietnamese woman offered to translate the broken English of the Spanish-speaking woman into something that the nurse could more easily understand. And she, she was able to do such a good job, she did such a good job of translating that brokenness of their two languages into something that she could understand that eventually, after a while, the hospital hired her to be a, a sort of generic translator. But brokenness is the common language spoken by all patients at a hospital. And so she was put to good use there. The Holy Spirit still speaks through broken people to a broken world. 
in languages that broken hearts can hear and understand. Because you and I know what it means to be broken by hatred. We can speak, we can speak of the amazing love, the healing love of Christ's sacrifice. Because we, because you and I know what it means to be broken by guilt and despair, we can speak of the healing wholeness of Christ's sacrifice. And because we know what it's like to be broken by doubt, we can speak of the healing faith in Christ's promises. And because you and I know what it's like to be broken by illness and the death of loved ones, we can speak of the healing hope of Christ's resurrection. Because all of these things have been given to us by the Spirit of God. Because we, because you and I, are being shaped by the wind of God. We can lead others to join us in calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our minds and hearts through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.